If you care about conservation, you need to be caring about the census. Without an accurate census count, we can't guarantee that we get the right amount of funding allocated for important programs uh, that have to deal with the environment and clean water and wildlife habitat. This is MCV Cast. It's Friday, July 31st, and that was Amara Reese Hansel of the Forward Montana Foundation. We'll hear from her as well as Executive Director Kirsten EY in a moment. They're stopping by to talk about the U.S. Census and how it relates to the conservation movement. Have you completed the census yet? Deputy Director Whitney Taney has, and so has Political Director Jake Brown. They're here as always to bring us up to speed on the week's news. Jake, let's start with a big one, a new title for Montana's junior U.S. Senator, Steve Daines. That's right, Murph. The LCV Victory Fund announced yesterday some of their signature Dirty Dozen designees, which are some of the most dangerous anti-environment candidates in the country. Senator Steve Daines, up for re-election on November 3rd, made the list for sponsoring or introducing various bills to strip protections from our public lands. He even supports the acting director of the BLM, William Perry Penley, who we've talked about on the show, who has uh, called for the outright sale of our public lands and denies climate change. Despite trying to greenwash his record and call himself a conservationist, Danes has a long anti-environment record that voters will not forget about in November. As we said when Senator Danes made the list this week, no election year lipstick will pretty up Senator Danes' dirty pig of a record as a Washington politician. We're not done talking about William Perry Penley yet. Whitney Taney, you're embarking on a statewide project to educate Montanans about the danger he poses to our public lands. That's right. You guys, I am so excited about this new statewide project. In the coming weeks, you, our MCV members, will be receiving a mailer asking you to take action and donate to help us keep holding Senator Daines accountable for his support of William Perry Penley. Already, we put together an education memo and are hosting a new site to shed light on why Penley is wrong for the BLM and wrong for Montana. We know Penley is an advocate for selling off our public lands, an opponent of Montana's stream access law, an advocate for developing all the lands, his words, folks, not ours, a climate change denier, and completely conflict-ridden with a recusal list of over 17 pages long. Now we're calling on you to help us spread the word and get Senator Daines to oppose Penley and stop his confirmation as director of the BLM with its over quarter billion acres of public lands, as well as nearly 8 million acres here in Montana. So folks, when you receive your mailer, you'll also receive a sticker, and we need you to put the sticker on your car or your water bottle to show the strength of Montanans and our support for our public lands. We also need you to donate anything you can so that we can raise a billboard near Senator Daines' house so we cannot avoid our message. It's time to get active. It's time to give a voice to our public lands, and it's time to protect our outdoor heritage for future generations. For more information, please check out stoppenley.org, where you can also sign on to our petition to Senator Daines. We've also linked our new site here in the show notes. Our public lands belong to all of us, and now is the time to defend them. This is our rallying cry, and we need you to get active. Continuing his campaign to remind Montanans that he exists, Steve Daines visited Kalispell this week with EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler. They were visiting several Brownfields grant sites, including a once-contaminated area that will eventually be a park. It's great having Administrator Wheeler here from the EPA, who came from Washington, D.C., out to Montana to see an example what we do in this partnership with our communities where we take a brownfield site and we restore it, reclaim it. This is a big win for Montana. 
The EPA's brownfield grants are used to redevelop and restore previously contaminated areas to repurpose them into places that are more economically viable. According to the EPA, there are more than 450,000 brownfield grant sites across the nation. This week, a story on Yellowstone Public Radio caught our attention from reporter Rachel Kramer. She noted that a report published by the ACLU this spring has a concerning statistic regarding Montana and marijuana. Black people in Montana are 10 times more likely to be arrested for possessing cannabis than white people. That means Montana tops the list of all 50 states when it comes to the racial disparity of marijuana-related arrests. S.K. Rossi is Director of Advocacy and Public Policy for ACLU Montana. We called S.K. up this week to learn more about this report. The big takeaway is that the war on drugs has been a complete failure and that the criminalization of marijuana has really done nothing but fill up our jails and prisons and led to the over-policing of vulnerable communities, especially Black, Indigenous, and communities of color. I think the other big takeaway is that Montana uh, has a real inadequacy when it comes to data gathering and reporting of criminal uh, legal system statistics, and that also needs to be fixed. The ACLU notes Black people and white people consume cannabis at about the same rate. Rachel Kramer says that though Black people make up only one half of 1% of the population of Gallatin County, Montana, in that county, they are 18 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana than white people. This report caught our attention because we've been following a very sophisticated effort in Montana to legalize and tax the adult use of recreational marijuana something voters will get to weigh in on on November 3rd. MCV supports this effort because much of the tax revenue is designed to fund public lands across our state. But this report reminds us that there is a racial justice component as well. There's always um, a need to consider a racial justice element when we're talking about any reform to the criminal legal system. Our criminal legal system disparately impacts Black folks, Indigenous people, and people of color. And that's not um, just a national issue, that is a Montana issue. If you look at our prison demographics, there is an enormous disparity rate between indigenous people and white people in our Montana state prisons. There's a 300% disparity rate for indigenous men and a 600% disparity rate for indigenous women, which is just an enormous problem. And marijuana legalization falls within that realm. We have a link to the ACL's report in our show notes, and we invite you to check out Season 1, Episode 3 of MCV Cast. Our guests were the folks running the campaign to legalize recreational marijuana and to better fund our public lands. Jake, speaking of trouble with the law, you're tracking the campaign of Montana's lone congressman. Congressman Greg Gianforte, and Republican candidate for governor, has been accused of illegally coordinating with a political action committee to skirt campaign finance laws. By law, candidates running for office cannot work with or coordinate with PACs. The complaint against Gianforte alleges that he essentially controls what the PAC spends money on and that the two entities are coordinating with each other. If guilty, this can be a pretty serious fine for both Gianforte and the PACs. We'll keep you posted as we learn more. COVID-19 has presented numerous challenges and has especially dealt a tough hand for the 2020 census. In particular, responses from tribal nations in Montana range from 42.5% on the Flathead Reservation to 4.8% on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. 
These low response rates of Montana's Native American and rural communities are concerning. So this August, census workers will begin visiting non-responsive households in person to take interview surveys. Overall, Montana's census response rate continues to lag, and that's where we want to bring in this week's guest. Today, we're joined by Forward Montana Foundation's Executive Director, Kirsten Ewy, and Forward Montana Foundation's Program Director, Amara Reese Hansel. Forward Montana Foundation is the largest civic engagement group in Montana and leading the charge to educate, engage, and organize young Montanans to shape their democracy, to improve their lives and the lives of their fellow Montanans. And they're doing a bang up job on all things, but today we are joined by Amara and Kirsten to talk about the 2020 census. So Kirsten, let's start with you because you joined Forward Montana Foundation within the past year. What else should people know about your organization? Oh, yes. Um, So I think our organization has been really influential in reshaping our state's electorate and getting thousands of young people across the state to vote and really giving them the tools and skills that they need to create the change in their communities. I think young people are so incredibly powerful um, and given the opportunities, um, they can really do incredible things. That is awesome. And we believe in the power of our youth as well. So Ladies, why is the census so important? Yeah, so the census is super important. Um, As we only do it every 10 years, we really get just a few chances to do it and to get it right. Um, So Montana right now has some of the lowest self-response rates in the nation. Currently, we're sitting at 46. So we have just a little over a 56% of folks self-responding as of today. This is compared to the national average of about 62.3%. The census is so important. It's private. It's convenient. It's also required by the Constitution. And the census has never been so easy. You can do it online now or over the phone. It's only 10 minutes. And making sure that Montana has an accurate census count leads to a lot of really good things or a lot of really bad things. So the census ensures that we have accurate resources for the programs that all Montanans uh, depend on. So in 2016, Montana received nearly $3 billion in federal programming for schools, hospitals, conservation work, infrastructure, and other services Montanans depend on. And that funding allocation comes from data from our census. So our democracy, our democracy really depends on an accurate census count. Uh, things like federal and state redistricting will be determined by the census. We also have an opportunity based on projected uh, population growth in Montana to get another house seat in the state, which would be very exciting. Um, but COVID-19 has presented a lot of challenges for the census. And so we have a lot of work to do to make that a reality. Hey, Amara, this is Aaron. Uh, can you speak to that a little more? Because we are curious, one, about what Forward Montana Foundation is doing to help. And two, how is the pandemic affecting that strategy? Definitely. So Forward Montana Foundation and all of our coalition partners, we're really focused on census programming around the April 1st date. So April 1st was Census Day. It was a huge nationwide push to get people across all communities to respond to the census. Um, So Ford Montana Foundation and all of our partners had planned these in-person, fun cultural events to really bring the census to the forefront of people's minds and to really communicate the urgency and the importance of self-responding online or over the phone. 
Um, of course, we were in the middle of, you know, kind of coronavirus and shelter in place when that happened. So none of these in-person events could happen or take place. So Ford Montana Foundation and Partners really pivoted to a digital strategy. Um, but COVID-19 is really having a devastating impact on a current count for the census. Because of Montana's rural nature, we have the sixth highest rate of update and leave census tracts in the nation. So that means if you're in an update and leave census tract, you require um, a delivery of census information to be able to fill out the census. You require an enumerator to come to your door and help you fill out the census. Um, and we've got a lot of Montanans in rural communities and in Indian country who really depend on that. Um, and because field operations were kind of shifted due to coronavirus, we're really operating um, on a really shortened timeline for those update and leave census tracts to be filled with enumerators. Also across the state, there's lots of folks who have limited access to reliable internet mail service or maybe don't have a consistent address. So Montanans were already a really hard to count population, but COVID-19 has definitely made those barriers larger. Sounds like there are a lot of challenges. So Kirsten, what do you think the biggest challenge you're facing here in Montana is? Yeah, there was just so much confusion. So like Amara was saying, April 1st was like the official census count day. Um, and that was like right as things were like really getting intense with COVID. And um, a lot of students were told not to return back to campus. Um, and those are people, thousands of young people who should be counted as being in Montana. And because of confusion around movement and like people going back home, whether that was in state or out of state and being counted incorrectly at their parents' home, there's just a lot of confusion and misinformation and disinformation around what should happen there. There's already a lot of questions around how students should be counted because that is confusing. Um, and so COVID just made it a lot more confusing. We're all listening to what seems like daily news stories about the politicization of the census, including word this week that President Trump does not want to count people who are not authorized to be living in the United States. So how are you dealing with that as you do the good work of encouraging Montanans to complete the census. Yeah, definitely to Kirsten's point about combating the misinformation um, and really communicating with people about kind of the updates that the Census Bureau has been making to their timeline. So we're following this executive order closely. Of course, it would be detrimental to the census um, to not allow undocumented immigrants to be counted. Um, it would be unfair. It would be wrong. It would not allow communities to receive an accurate count and therefore get the funding that their communities deserve for things like infrastructure, public schools, healthcare systems. So that would be really devastating to the census. Um, some other points of confusion are the extended self-response deadline. Um, so folks are now able to self-respond to the census through the end of October. This is really exciting news as coronavirus has presented so many hurdles to getting counted. Anything we can do to kind of lengthen out that timeline is really important. However, that being said, and this is especially important for young people, people need to get counted where they were living on April 1st. So the further we move away from that deadline, we run into additional hurdles for people to get accurately counted at their accurate location. At Ford Montana Foundation, we're worried about things like students moving and potentially not being able to reach all their roommates that they were living with in the spring, potentially not even remembering where they were on April 1st if they were kind of moving around that end of semester. So as that self-response deadline has been extended out, it's also coming with a number of additional hurdles 
And I think the best thing that we can do and that other organizations on the ground can do is really be communicating some of those rapid response things to their constituencies as they come up. So Kirsten, you're headed into the Bob this weekend, which is amazing. And it definitely has me jealous. So a question for you is that because here at MCV, we are laser focused on conservation. What's the overlap with the census and conservation or that direct connection? Yeah, so it's what Amara was saying about the allocation of funding. So it goes towards things um, like social services, but it also goes towards conservation. And so each year, Montana receives more than $77 million to fund critical conservation programs that protect our access to clean water, steward wildlife habitats, and mitigate the risk and damage of forest fires, which, as we know, as we get into summer, is a really huge concern for many residents. And so our way of life really depends on that accurate census count. Um, So this also includes things like funding for our hunters education programs and our agricultural experiment stations, ensuring that Montanans have the skills and resources to continue hunting, farming and ranching for generations to come. So it really runs a gamut of all the all the agencies that intersect with conservation in our state with our public lands um, and our private lands as well. Awesome. So what messaging regarding the census would you relay to Montanans who consider themselves um, conservationists? Yeah, that's a great question. I think if you care about conservation, you need to be caring about the census. Without an accurate census count, like Kirsten said, we can't guarantee that we get the right amount of funding allocated for important programs uh, that have to deal with the environment and clean water and wildlife habitats. So it's really important that we're all self-responding and doing our part if we care about the strength of our communities. Yeah. And I also think about like the moments where I've gone like out on the river this year and, you know, noticing that some of our river access points that we really pride ourselves so dearly in Montana um, have some work to be done because they are continually being used. And we'll, um, as more people move here, as we have more visitors, there's just going to be so much more stress on these access points. And so the census is such an easy and critical way to make a difference in these areas in the way that we recreate and enjoy our public lands and life here. So if someone listening has already filled out their census and, and wants to be helpful in advocating for others to do the same like, like you are, what can they do and, and where can they go? Yeah, that's a great question. Something easy that they can do is they can talk to their friends and family members about the census. Um, a lot of times these like government processes can feel really confusing and full of jargon and we're the best messengers to our peers, to our family members, to our communities. Um, so I'd really encourage everyone listening to just pull out their phones and text three of their friends to ask if they filled out the census. It takes less than 10 minutes. You can do it over the phone or online. And I guarantee that there's probably someone in your life that hasn't done it and might need that extra push or just a little bit of peer pressure from a friend or a family member to get it done. Um, You can also visit organizations like Ford Montana Foundation's Instagram or Facebook page. We're providing a lot of up-to-date and kind of rapid response information around the census and how the timeline is changing. And so the more that you can kind of be sharing that information with your networks, the better. So one of the challenges is in contacting households that may not have access to the internet or may have some difficulty because they're in a rural part of our state. So what's the most effective way that you're going to reach those households? 
Yeah, so our partners at Western Native Voice have really done an incredible job at communicating the importance and urgency of the census to places like Indian Country and more rural Montana. Um, I know they've done things like they've had billboards go up and things like that, uh, things that have really been meeting people where they're at. A large amount of people do need to wait for an enumerator, though, especially if they don't have a geocoded address or something like that. They need to wait and get enumerated. Uh, so a lot of this is just a part of the waiting game and making sure we're staying up to date on when enumerators will be out in local communities so we can let them know when they can expect someone at their door. We have a link to the Ford Montana Foundation in our show notes, as well as information on how you can fill out the census if you haven't already. Amara, Kirsten, is there anything else that, that you'd like to add? Um, I'll just add one more thing in that, so some of what they call the quote-unquote hard-to-count community, so young people, um, people in low-income communities, and people um, on tribal reservations, there's a lot of distrust around um, just like government count and the census um, that's been built up for decades and centuries even, and rightfully so. And so the groups like Ford Montana Foundation, Western Native Voice, Montana Women Vote, all of the work that our um, collective organizations are doing, but that peer-to-peer -peer outreach is so critical. And so um, in thinking about ways that other people can be involved, that peer-to-peer um, -peer messaging and outreach, like Amara was saying, is really critical. And so that people understand why the census is so important. Kirsten EY, Executive Director of the Ford Montana Foundation and Program Director Amara Reese Hansel. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Here we should note that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its members, or its board of directors. That said, all of us strongly encourage Montanans to do their part in completing the census because our climate, our environment, and our public lands are at stake. If you haven't done so yet, you can simply complete and mail back the paper questionnaire you received, or you can respond online at 2020census.gov or by phone at 844-330-2020. Jake Brown is keeping his eye on something else landing in Montana mailboxes this week. Jake, what's going on? Folks across the country have been receiving unsolicited packets of seeds from China. People from as many as 28 states have received nondescript packages in the mail with Chinese writing on them. The USDA said in a statement that there's no evidence that this is anything other than a brushing scam where people receive unsolicited items from a seller who then posts false customer reviews to boost business. The Montana Department of Agriculture issued a warning about the seeds. Here's what they had to say. Unknown seeds represent a, uh, a risk to agriculture, to horticultural plants and native species because we don't know anything about those seeds. They could have unknown plant pathogens. They could have unknown viruses. And so we definitely wouldn't want to plant any of those seeds in the ground. And we wouldn't really want to even throw those seeds away. So we wouldn't want them to end up in a landfill and grow somewhere um, in Montana. Don't open, don't throw away, don't plant. If you received unsolicited seeds, please contact the Montana Department of Agriculture. We expect President Trump to sign the long-awaited Great American Outdoors Act into law any day now. No word yet on when the day will be or where they'll be, but follow us on social media to be among the first to know. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and yes, Facebook, all at MT Voters. A big congratulations to Scott Christensen, the newly named executive director of the Greater Yellowstone Coalition, an organization we at MCV have tremendous respect for. And a thank you to Bill Lombardi for providing MCV Cast's original music. 
As we sign off, we want to take you into the office of Senator John Tester, who held a Facebook Live Q&A with Montanans this week. At issue, the U.S. Senate's latest work to provide financial relief to those hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Here is Senator John Tester on the long-term cost of that relief. When times are good, you need to pay down the debt. We had, we had an economy that has been ripping pretty strong now for the last six, seven years, and we haven't been paying down the debt. Shame on us. And in fact, since President Trump got into office, we've increased the debt by a trillion dollars a year, each and every year of his presidency. That's not the direction you should do. Now we have this economic downturn. Now there needs to be an influx of money into our economy so that our economy doesn't turn into a total train wreck and isn't able to bounce back. Look, the bottom line is, is both sides of the aisle have some good ideas, but both sides of the aisle have been uh, absolutely part of the cause of this incredible debt that we have right now.